It is day four of Daf Chav Base. We are holding the Gemara on Daf Chav Base, and with Base about 23 lines down from the top of the page. Yesterday, the Gemara said that if someone borrows a utensil from an Amaretz, from Amaretz means a person who's ignorant and not particular about the laws of Tumah and Tara, that a person who borrows a utensil from such a person has to first dip it in a mikveh before using it. The implication of that is that it doesn't matter even if the Amaretz tells you that he's already dipped it in a mikveh. You shouldn't believe him. You have to first dip it in a mikveh before using it. So the Gemara questions this. The Gemara says, Is it really true that we don't believe an Amaretz if he tells us something is dipped in a mikveh and we have to first dip the utensil in a mikveh before using it? And we don't believe the Amaretz? Haven't we learned to the contrary? The Brysa says, says, that an Amaretz is believed with respect to Tahara by immersion of something which is Tomei on account of a corpse. As we've explained previously, a person or a utensil which has become contaminated with corpse Tuma has to be sprinkled with the Para Aduma waters on the third and the seventh day and after that immersed in a mikveh to become Tahar. And the Brysa is teaching us that an Amaretz is believed to tell us that he himself or a utensil that he owns at the end of that seventh day purification process has indeed dipped in a mikveh. So we believe him with respect to the seven-day process of the Paraduma waters that at the end of that seven-day process he himself or a utensil that he owns has been dipped in a mikveh. But yesterday we said that if you borrow a utensil from an Amaretz you have to assume that it hasn't been dipped in a mikveh you have to dip it in a mikveh. So which is it? Do we believe him about tefillah or do we not believe him about tefillah? So the Gemara proposes a couple of answers and questions them as well. Amar Abaya Abaya says, Lo kasha, there's no difficulty. Haba gufoi, The brisa that says that an Amaretz is believed, that refers only to his body. That we believe him if he says he immersed his body to become Tahar, but not his utensils. Whereas when the Gemara says that we don't believe him, that is with respect to his utensils. And the Mepharshim explained that Amaretz attaches greater importance to his own personal Tahara than to the Tahara of his utensils. So he's more careful to adhere to the requirements of immersion when immersing himself than when immersing his utensils. So that's the first distinction Abaye makes, that we believe him about himself, but we don't believe him about his utensils. Rava Amar Rava says a different distinction. Both the Brysa and the assertion of the Gemara yesterday that we don't believe in Amaretz might both be referring to the dipping in a mikvah of the Amaretz's utensils. Velo kasha, but there's no contradiction, no difficulty. The Brysa, which says that we believe in Amaretz, we believe him when he says it's been dipped in a mikvah, that is in a case where he says, I have never immersed a utensil inside another utensil. Remember, we said that was a concern. Immersion of a utensil inside another utensil, we spent most of the last week discussing. That is a concern that an Amaretz might think that's okay in certain circumstances when it's not always okay. So if an Amaretz tells us, I've never done that, I've never immersed one utensil inside another, then we can believe him about his immersion of a utensil. But when the Gemara said yesterday that we don't believe in Amaretz about the immersion of his, uten- of his utensil, that's where he says, I have immersed one utensil inside another, but I've not immersed it in a utensil whose opening was not the size of a skim bottle's tube. So we do- in other words, we don't suspect the Amaretz of deliberately lying. 
So if he tells us he's never immersed one utensil inside another, we've got no reason to question the purity of the utensil that he claims to have immersed. But if he admits to us that he has immersed utensils within utensils, but he insists that he's made sure that the opening of the outer vessel was always large enough, was always the size of a skim bottle's tube at least, which is large enough to allow the water of the mikvah to connect to the water inside the utensil. But once he's conceded that he has immersed one utensil inside another, at that point we have to question the tahara, the the status of his immersed utensil. Because even though we believe him, we want to believe him, but we can't trust that he's sufficiently expert or meticulous to ensure the opening of the outer utensil was indeed the size of a skim bottle's tube. So we believe him in what he says, but we can't trust that he's expert enough to get it right. So if he tells us he's never immersed one utensil inside another, it's not something he does. So then we can believe that his utensil is pure. But if he tells us he does do that, he does immerse one utensil inside another, but he makes sure that the size of the opening is large enough and he's particular about all the laws, then although we believe him, we can't trust him. And at that point, we say the immersion is not valid. And that's the distinction between the Gemara yesterday that said we cannot believe him when he says he's immersed something, and the Brysa that we learned today that says we can believe him. And we learned a brysa which supports this distinction. The brysa says, An Amaretz, a person who is ignorant in these laws and not particular about them, he's believed to say that certain fruits have never been prepared to become susceptible to become tummy. In other words, he says these fruits have never come in contact with one of the seven liquids, one of the seven beverages that could render them susceptible to tumah. So we believe him if he says they've never become wet, but he's not believed to say that the fruits did become wet, but never contracted tumor. He's not believed to say that the fruits did become wet, but didn't become tummy. So again, this brysa parallels Rava's distinction. In this brysa also, we believe the Amaretz to say that a problematic situation never arised. These fruits never became wet. In similar to the previous case of Rava, where he says, I never immersed one utensil inside another. But we don't believe him to say that the problem did arise, but he resolved it. Which in this case is to say that the fruit did become wet, but I didn't allow the fruits to become tummy. And in Rava's case to say, I did dip one utensil inside another in a mikvah, but I did it in a way that was kosher. I did it in a way that the opening was large enough to render it a kosher dipping in a mikvah. So the point of this second this brysa that we're quoting now is to point out the parallel case to Rava's distinction that we don't believe in Amaris to say that he had a problem but he resolved it whereas if he said he never had the problem in the first place then we do believe him the Gemara now goes back to the distinction mentioned earlier by Abaye. What was Abaye's resolution to the question? How come we believe the Amaretz today? But we didn't believe him in the case yesterday. Abaye said the distinction is very simple. That in the Brysa, which says we believe him about dipping in a mikvah at the end of the seven-day purification process with the sprinkling on the third day and the seventh day, that's referring to his body. If he says, I dipped myself, my own body in a mikvah, then we believe him. But the case yesterday is talking about his utensils. We don't believe him if he said he dipped his utensils in a mikvah, but we do believe him about his own body. That was the distinction of Abai a few minutes ago. The Gemara questions this. Is he believed really about the Tara of his own body? Haven't we learnt otherwise in a brysa? The brysa says, If a chaver comes to have us sprinkle upon him the para aduma waters, he says, I became Tomei. 
and I need to have the waters of the Paraduma sprinkled upon me, Mazin alav miyad, we sprinkle them upon him immediately. In other words, even though we know that we have to sprinkle the waters of the Paraduma on the third day after he became Tommy, and then the seventh day, we believe a Chaver, someone who's particular about these laws, to tell us, I became Tommy three days ago. This is my day three. I need to have the first sprinkling right now. We believe him. We believe him that he became Tommy three days ago. We sprinkle upon him immediately. But Amaoretz Shabalahazos, if an Amaoretz comes to us to have us sprinkle upon him the Paraduma waters, we don't believe him that today is day three of his becoming Tommy. We wait until three days have passed. We believe him that he's Tommy, but we don't believe him that today is day three. So, we wait three days before we sprinkle upon him the waters of the Paraduma. So the Gemara says, if an Amaret is clearly here not believed to say that he's fit for sprinkling, we don't believe him that he's ready for his day three sprinkling. Why then is he believed at the end of seven days to say that he went to the mikveh properly? That's what Abaye said. Abaye said that at the end of seven days he goes to the mikveh and we believe him that he said he went to the mikveh properly. But wait a minute. Four days earlier, on day three, when he arrived in front of us and said, I need the sprinkling right now, we didn't believe him. We said, you have to wait three days or another two days, including today that you arrived, in order to receive your first sprinkling. Why is that the case? How does that make any sense? El Amr Abai, rather Abai explains as follows. Abai sticks to his guns, but he explains there's a distinction between the Amr telling us today is day three of his ritual impurity and the going to mikvah at the end of the seven days. He says that the reason why we believe him at the end of the seven days that he went to the mikveh properly is because we gave him a hard time when he pitched up on day three. Because we gave him a rough time by not believing him to say that the requisite number of days had passed for him to be ready for sprinkling, so he will pull his socks up and make sure that he goes to the mikveh properly at the end of seven days. And that's what allows us to be lenient with him at the end of seven days. It's not just that we believe him when he says he went to the mikveh and dipped himself in the mikveh properly. It's actually because, part of the reason we believe him at the end of seven days is because we don't believe him after three days and we gave him a bit of a rough time and said to him, we're not going to believe you that you're ready for your first sprinkling. So Abayah sticks to his guns. He says, we believe him about immersing his own body, but not about his utensils. And even though we believe him about his own body, that's only when it comes to going to the mikveh at the end of seven days, but not when it comes to his arrival and asking us to sprinkle the paradumal waters on him and telling us that today is day three. We cannot believe him for that. And one is dependent on the other. We believe him at the end of the seven days that he went to the mikveh properly because we assume he will have done that properly because we gave him a hard time when he came to us on what he considered to be his day three and told us he needed the ashes of the paraduma sprinkled upon him. And we said to him, no, we don't believe you. You have to wait another two days. That is what gives him the drive and the commitment to dip properly in the mikveh at the end of seven days and what gives us the right to believe him at that point. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you a very good day.